and welcome to Cult Movie Cult, where we watch and discuss the horrific, the obscure, and the flat-out strange from the other side of cinema. I'm Mark Dickerson. And I'm Jeremy Fink. And this is the fourth installment in our series, After the Bomb, sci-fi movies of the 1950s. Today, we'll be discussing 1958's Fiend Without a Face. Brain, it's gone. That's not all. The entire spinal cord is missing. What? It's incredible. It's as if some mental vampire were at work. Does it come from another country or another world? This terrifying menace that G2 must destroy before it's too late. Image is fading, sir. There it goes again. Same trouble. How can they stop this invisible force whose only warning is a weird, blood-chilling sound? Only two people still alive can help this agent find the answers. The girl who could be a spy, and the scientist who could be the destroyer of the entire human race. We're facing a new form of life that nobody understands. I believe it feeds on the radiation from your atomic plants, and that it's evil. Fiend Without a Face is a British 1958 sci-fi horror film directed by Arthur Crabtree and released by MGM. It tells the story of a mysterious death at the hand of a mentally created invisible life form that feeds on atomic power and then steals human brains and spinal columns to use as bodies in order to multiply its numbers. So, pretty pretty conventional plot there, right? Yeah. <laughs> pretty run-of-the-mill. Run-of-the-mill, yeah. <laughs> by the numbers. Yeah. Um, so, I had never seen this one before. Jeremy, did you see this one or I had seen we... I had seen this one a while ago. It, it was it's, had... it's probably been a right, good four you, or five years. Yeah, you actually recommended this one, mm-hmm. uh, and when you brought this one up uh, to me when we were talking about different ones to do for the series, this kind of came up. It was sort of last minute. We were trying to figure out what our you know final five would be, and um, I just looked up the plot and I was like, that sounds perfect. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and also it, it seemed like a perfect. And kind of genius, uh, low-budget solution to making a monster movie, because mm-hmm. uh, the the monsters are invisible. I just yep. found that very, uh, very kind of charming, and mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, but although we'll get into this, but eventually in the movie, you do see something, mm-hmm. and it, it is a hell of a something. And yeah. we'll talk about that. Shocking. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was. It, it really like I kind of knew it was coming, but when it did, I it really. It was mm-hmm. like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, and earlier in the series, we've dealt with monsters who have very little actual screen time. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought this actually took it to another level. I thought not only do we eventually see these monsters, uh, but we see a lot of them, yeah. actually. Like, way, way more than I thought we would. Mm-hmm. Did, especially for uh, another runtime that's pretty short. This movie is an hour and 14 minutes. Which, compared to some of these other 50 sci-fi movies, is, is like, you know... Is behemothly long, but compared to most movies in general, yeah, you know we've seen. Well, some... the last one, um, Attack of the Fifty Foot Woman, that was an hour and in five minutes, and I five, believe. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, the first couple we we talked mm-hmm. about were you know average normal hour one. and a half. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of in the middle there. Yeah. Um, but I, I felt like it was a a good length for this. Mm-hmm. Um, probably just the right amount because it doesn't really overstay its welcome. But you know, yeah. it, and it has a like I said, plenty of uh, thrilling moments throughout and a lot of special effects. We'll, we'll get into. Um, and this movie also seems to be pretty well revered, part of the Criterion Collection. Yeah, which, which was surprising. Yeah, yeah, it was surprising. I didn't I didn't realize that at first. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And uh, but, you know, we were discussing before we started recording why that might be, you know, why this is maybe held in a higher regard. I mean, also Godzilla obviously is in the Criterion Collection, and that makes sense because it's very culturally and historically significant. And Um, also not 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 a B movie in the same way. Some of these other films. Yeah. Right. I mean, I would I would call this movie straight up B material. Yeah. yeah. Um, But. But, you know, the material is a little elevated. I, th- I would say it's a little more abstract yeah. than a lot of other monster movies. Um, it's it's more psychological, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, it's dealing with things that are a little more uh, hypothetical or, mm-hmm. um, you know, like there's almost a, a philosophy behind it. So I, I found that pretty interesting. And maybe it's that little bit bit different take and a little more um high concept uh maybe yep. that's why uh, it's in the criterion collection or why it's so highly regarded it, it is quite different than any of the other monster movies that i've seen at yeah. least um, although although certainly about. still a b movie i'm looking at the poster here yeah. i have it pulled up online which yeah i'm, I'm sure looking we'll at share. it too. and then the, the tagline is new horrors mad science uh what is that word i can't even read and it because spawns spawns, oh, spawns evil friends evil feet Fiends. Evil, evil fiends. Yes, <laughs> not friends. Yeah, they maybe should have thrown a little bit they more of very... a drop shadow on those. Words. Yeah, spawns <laughs> evil friends. That's interesting. Yeah. That's a different movie. Um, but yeah, and then and then you know the you know, the picture on the poster of the girl wrapped in the towel and the, it, it, oh it, yeah, it, it definitely was advertised as schlock. But I think some something about it has this this kind of elevated. We we as we noted before, it is a, a British movie. Um, so I, I think yeah. that there is almost. Um, kind of an intangible European quality to it. This doesn't feel mm-hmm. like American schlock. It feels just a, <laughs> a, a little more ideological. Not not quite. Mm-hmm. Not that you know some of the American schlock movies don't have ideas mixed in, but it kind of feels like the ideas mixed into this one were maybe a little bit more intentionally there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we looked at Japanese with Godzilla, and then mm-hmm. a couple of American ones. And I like that we're yeah trying to get a little bit over. of a. Yeah, so now we're in the UK with this mm-hmm. one. So uh, just to go into the plot a little bit for this one. So it takes place uh, almost entirely, actually, on an American Air Force base in Canada. <laughs> so even though it's a UK production, it's uh, American Air Force base in Canada. And uh, it starts with a soldier taking a smoke break, and he hears something, which may be footsteps or something uh, much like the giant ants in them. It was it was a sound unlike mm-hmm. anything that you can really place or anything that I've really heard of. Um, and I was at this point, I was like, I love this already. Like I was already into it. Uh, and then he, he hears a scream and finds another soldier laying dead. And that's when the titles come on screen. And again, just phenomenal titles and all these movies. All of them, really, especially th- this was one of my favorites for sure. Yeah, this, this was a great is one. a crazy looking title. Any any yeah. graphic designer listeners out there, <laughs> definitely worth looking at all of these movies for yeah. just their titles alone. You don't even have to get through mm-hmm. every single one. Just watch the first two minutes and see this beautiful title design work. For sure, yeah. yeah. And then, so it comes out kind of, kind of, kind of out of nowhere. But I like that it was like a kind of like a stinger on the end of that opening scene. And then uh, from there, we go into the officials on the base who are looking into what happened. And eventually, because well, not a spoiler because of this, what the series is, um, they assume that it's caused by radiation. And the radiation is from the base, correct, or is it? immediately like right outside the base or i, I, be- I believe the actual base it, it's a little vague it seemed like it was mm. something having to do with the communication between the base and the planes okay or something it, it wasn't totally clear where the radiation yeah. was coming from again a little more abstract this one so um and then so eventually 
the main characters, uh, we, we meet with the colonel and Barbara Grissel, and I guess her, her brother was the one who was killed in that first scene. Mm-hmm. And so she works for the professor, Professor Walgate, I'm, I'm assuming. She, she's kind of following him around the entire movie. Um, and he's a retired scientist living near the base. So I'm not sure why she's we kind of I'm not really, you know, maybe I missed something about why she was with him so much. But mm-hmm. uh, anyway, in any regard, she is with him. And uh, so that's how we meet Barbara and uh, Professor Walgate. And, uh, of course, the main character who is... Uh, who's uh, major cummings uh played by marshall thompson uh jeff cummings and uh so he's our, our main hero i guess you you call it and kind of the one looking into everything um and um so there so there's a u.s air force interceptor command experimental station i guess is what it is <laughs> number six mm-hmm. uh it's a long long range radar installation and that's located where they are in canada um, and so there's these unexplained deaths that start to occur and, uh, and the major is looking into everything and, um, eventually it, you know, it, it actually starts to happen off the base. There's an older cu- couple on a farm just outside the base and they are attacked in a scene. And now at this point, we still don't see, you know, we talked about monsters being off screen and creatures being off screen and things like that. These, th- this <laughs> movie takes it a step further where, the monsters are actually invisible in the beginning. We don't mm-hmm. see anything. You just see little things like a, a bucket will get tipped over and you'll see footsteps maybe in, in certain uh, ground areas and things like that. But that's all you see. And, it, you know, I, th- I found this effect pretty, uh, I thought, creepy and kind of cool, actually, like an invisible man type thing, um, which I don't know exactly if this was done for budgetary reasons or mm-hmm. not, but if it was... It, it was kind of genius, and even if it wasn't, it's it's, it's still it's, interesting. It's a very it's it's very effective. It, yeah, it, it's totally believable. the The way that they did it, it's just subtle enough, you know, mm-hmm. where where you really you can really pick up on it. You can really kind of tell what's happening, but mm-hmm. it's not it's not so heavy handed. They're not really like showing off the effect. Mm-hmm. They're, they're kind of using it in a very focused, practical way, and, and for me, right. it worked really well. Yeah, it was it was exactly the right amount of mm-hmm. that type of stuff because you know you could, you could go overboard with that kind of thing and mm-hmm. have things flying around and mm-hmm. you know so but they no it was actually done pretty uh, tastefully I thought and mm-hmm. very uh, restrained so um, so this older couple on a farm is killed and that's when things really start to ramp up and um, the resident medical professional Dr. Warren does an autopsy and this reveals that both the brain and the spinal cord of the victims have been sucked out of them, mm-hmm. quote, unquote, sucked out of them. And also, quote, unquote, mental vampire. This is what they, <laughs> this is what they deduce. I really love that term, mental, vi- mental vampire. vampire. Never, never heard that before. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I also like there being some sort of supernatural explanation kind of, you know, this is a little different, I think, yeah. to what we've seen so far. It's not, it's not just there's some kind of radiation going on. It's, it's a little mm-hmm. bit, you know. There's something else. There's something yeah. else, yeah. And they can't quite put their finger on it because it's not exactly physical, um, mm-hmm. what's happening. Um, so we go on from there, and um, eventually Major Cummings is doing some snooping around in Professor Walgate's office, and he, he finds <laughs> this book, which, I, I don't know, I find it 
I found it kind of funny. Like I actually laughed when I saw it for some reason. But the book's just called "The Principles of Thought Control" by Professor <laughs> R. E. Walgate. It's just like right there in the cover, mm-hmm. and it's like, hmm, okay. Oh. Um, and then uh, there's some great punching action as he's confronted by Miss Grizel's boy, I guess boyfriend. Yeah. Uh, Wonderful punching, really. Gibbons, yeah, some yeah. good punching. Uh, <laughs> his name's Gibbons, and uh, so they get into a little tussle there. And eventually, her boyfriend leads a, a posse to hunt down whomever or whatever is murdering people. And, um, you know, we have another talk with the professor later on and we find out that while, uh, major Cummings was suspicious of him, he actually, he's not completely a fault here. He didn't really cause this, uh, intentionally. Um, but the, the long and the short of it is that he created a, a situation, an accident pretty much where this was able to occur, where these beings were able to take form or not take form, I guess, but mm-hmm. it come into being, they, they uh, became the, separate of the experiment. Of the experiment, yeah. right. And this is due to radiation. The prof- you know, professor believes that there may be a link to the, radi- the radar or radiation on the base um, and this, these creatures that have uh, come into being. So uh, they have a discussion, try to figure out the best course of action. They hear someone moaning. It actually sounded kind of like a zombie. There's <laughs> like a zomb- zombie-like moaning. And then Gibbons appears, and he's like a shell of a man. Like he has, he has sans brain and I guess spine, mm-hmm. <laughs> although he seems to be walking upright. Uh, and so they have this little uh, attack scene with, with him, which is kind of cool. It was like a, sort of like a zombie scene, I guess. Um, and then, uh, you know, like I said, the, fi- the scientist finally admits that he was not He's not only succeeded in developing this mental ability that he was trying to create, but in the process, he created a living thought projection, which is essentially what what these beings are. Right. Um, although unknown to him, the, you know, the nuclear power, I guess, uh, experiments, um, they had an adverse effect on this and actually enhanced the mental abilities of these creatures. And that's, right. that's what they're dealing with here. Um, and he actually calls it a new form of life. So it's sort of like an evil entity, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so pretty wild plot. I mean, it's... Yeah. Um, and this is before we even get to the brains and the spinal cords uh, <laughs> that we can actually see. And they come become animated, mm-hmm. <laughs> quite literally. Yeah. Um, so it's already pretty crazy at this point. But then we see a brain. And then we see many brains. Mm-hmm. And they have antennae on their heads. They're like little alien brains almost. Uh, or insect brains, I guess. Um, and... And again, spinal cords. <laughs> it's yeah. really crazy. So, and they start, they're in these trees and they start crawling down the trees, kind of snake-like or um, caterpillar-like. Mm-hmm. And they start to become physical as they get more powerful. It's like they start to come into being. And it was pretty disturbing and, and pretty cool. I yeah. Think. Yeah, it's, yeah. Pretty, it, it's, it's a pretty freaky effect. Uh, you know, as we mentioned before, the effects in this movie are, are really, really strong yeah. for this era. Um, and it amps up here because now they have the stop animation, which, yeah. you know, not not every movie at this time was able to have that because they couldn't afford it. So yeah. they they had some budget they were working with here, I guess. Or Well, and even, even the ones that could wouldn't necessarily do it this well. Uh, you, yeah. you know, this film, like, like these things are, are really, really kind of feel lifelike. You know, like the, the movements, yeah. and there was a lot of detail put in. And mm-hmm. clearly, a lot of thought put into to how these things would move. It wasn't yeah. just oh, we're gonna do some stop motion animation so they're not yeah. totally still. It's like like they like they arched in they the same life, way like like life they of bend. Their own. Yeah, yeah, like they like they bend like a spine would bend. They're mm-hmm. kind of like they kind of like pulse a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. the the brains is it kind of feels like the brain waves or whatever. You know, it's like mm-hmm. they're they're expanding and contracting. It's not just simple motion for the sake of oh, it's yeah. alive. It, it really feels like. 
like almost like the the people who did the stop motion animation observed maybe caterpillars like you mentioned or, or a kind, yeah. kind of a combination of a few animals um really looking at, at naturalistic movement and did a, a pretty unbelievable job the other thing that i noticed too that was really cool with the stop motion animation is that i think I, i'm not totally sure how they achieved the effect i'm thinking maybe it was some kind of um split screen where the, where the split was hidden but for example when the brains are in the trees there's one point where there are leaves falling next to the next to the the, the fiends for lack of a better mm -hmm. term and the leaves are falling totally naturalistically they're not animated so mm -hmm. so it, it really gave the, this this feeling of realism because it, it felt like they were moving and interacting in a real space it didn't you you didn't see like the normal yeah. kind of flickers of light in mm -hmm. the corners of frames that you might see with stop motion, like like this this was yeah. really carefully professionally done work. Yeah, it's pretty impressive mm -hmm. these special effects, and like you said, Jeremy, really well done. A lot of attention to detail. Um, they are definitely creepy. These things mm -hmm. that are kind of crawling around, and um, and there's just the wide range of effects in this movie. I was very impressed by. Mm -hmm. uh, we talked about how in the beginning the creatures are. Um, they are invisible, so we don't see anything, but there's the manipulation of scenery, like we said, the bucket being tipped over, there's a carpet that bunches up, mm -hmm. and then this is also mixed with a little bit of stop animation, or stop motion, because um, at one point there's something moving through this liquid from the bucket, and you see footsteps, but obviously th these are done, you know, through trickery, they're not, you know, they weren't done on set or anything like that. Um, or they weren't done, I mean, at the time. Like, they were kind of filmed one at a time. You can tell that, you know. So there's that sort of trickery going on. And then uh, from there, there's the the invisible beings are choking people, pulling them through windows. And then from there, we go to this these stop-motion creatures for the crawling brains and spines, which is still crazy. And, um, and then from there, uh, because these creatures start to attack, we see... Uh, bloody exploding gore which i was really not prepared for yeah when when the characters shoot these creatures mm -hmm. they explode and i thought that was pretty cool yeah especially for the time you didn't really see many effects like that no th this is definitely uh, of all of the films that kind of fit into this this genre that we're doing this series on this is definitely mm -hmm. the most kind of violent and disturbing you know you, you really don't definitely. see that it, it, they normally at that time and maybe once again that comes back to the fact that it is a european film and maybe mm -hmm. they weren't quite as worried about, you know, it, 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 like because it wasn't really a B movie per se, they, they didn't have to worry necessarily as much about, you know, getting this onto bills in the United, onto a bill in the yeah. United States because they knew that maybe they could be successful at home, whereas things were a little more relaxed. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, they they really took it pretty far. Yeah, and I I was reading before I had even watched the movie uh, a little bit about it and I'd read that there was an uproar in the public about this film and about the violence and how extreme it was and they were going to give it the of course fatal x rating yeah um you know which is pretty extreme uh, yeah. espe especially back then so I was wondering you know where where do, do imaginary creatures get so violent and <laughs> what I but when we got to that moment I was like okay I actually understand like for that time that was pretty crazy yeah um, I mean it's disturbing to look at now it, yeah, it, it looks is, pretty real. <laughs> it it does, yeah. It's it's really well done, and this is before we had gotten to you know Night of the Living Dead and, and those types of movies where we were starting to get more used to you know yeah. seeing these kinds of effects. So, um, yeah. So I thought that was pretty pretty ballsy, <laughs> pretty yeah. creative too. Mm -hmm. um, pretty crazy that they did that. So um, just to wrap up the this little short summary of the movie. So 
Um, as I mentioned, much like in them, these creatures are emitting these disturbing noises, um, and that, that noise comes back in the scene in full force, and the characters try to fight them off and shoot them, and that's where we get that blood and gore squibs or whatever they were, effects that were coming out. And uh, the, the characters need to stop the radiation that's feeding these creatures. Mm -hmm. um, so they decide to, their plan is to blow up the control room. And um, very smart, these brains. They, they reach through, yeah, <laughs> boarded well, up, they're, boarded they're up windows. <laughs> yeah, they're brains, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they reach through, they, they have these windows that are boarded up and they, they steal a hammer and they try to get inside and pry their way in. And one of them flies at Barbara's head. <laughs> Uh, it was pretty crazy. So that, that scene's great when they, they come into the room and a lot of violence and destruction there. And uh, once in the control room, Major Cummings is able to, uh, he, he, once he reaches it, he detonates the, uh, the bomb and, and the brains sort of just die. They kind of just fall out of the trees and onto the, the ground and onto the floor and they disintegrate. And that was another cool effect too there when the, the, the brains disintegrated. Um, and uh, yeah, that's <laughs> in, a, in a nutshell. That's, that's pretty it, much yeah. the, the movie. That's, pretty that's much simple, ends there. Yeah, yeah it, pretty much once they kill all the the brains and spinal cords, the movie's mm -hmm. over. Which you know, like we said, where, it's, where are you going to uh, go from there? Once you kill you the go brains, go in and out. Yeah, once you kill the every you know the monsters, that's pretty much it. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, that is Fiend Without a Face. So pretty crazy movie. Mm -hmm. Crazy that it's in the Criterion Collection, kind of. Although I feel like they've, you know, I feel like it makes sense in a certain it way. It makes and sense, I feel like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it, just because it is so out there and so different and, and mm -hmm. sort of avant-garde in, in a kind of way. I mean, it's, it's pretty conventional as these types of movies go. But yeah. on the other hand, it is, you know, there's some ideas there that are different mm -hmm. and kind of make you think a, a little bit, which is cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think that the monster is kind of an abstraction. It, the, the monster Definitely. is such an abstract idea. Like, like they mm -hmm. didn't. I guess they did explain the science in this movie. Kind they of did a little, a little bit, a little bit. But, not, but I, not I, too much. Yeah, but I feel like with a lot of these other films, they really spend a lot of time really trying to get into the science of it. You know, mm -hmm. trying to trying to kind of justify how they got there. And this one, even though there is an explanation of the science, it doesn't really feel like that's what they were worried about as much. It, it, yeah. felt, it felt like they were kind of more worried about this idea of something. Kind of, kind of the combination of the human mind and science and how that's mm -hmm. really what's dangerous and that we don't necessarily totally have to even understand what we're creating mm -hmm. for it to mm -hmm. be dangerous and that the thought process is really the most dangerous thing at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, it, it's more of a complicated plot, I, I would yeah. say, than, than the other ones that we mm -hmm. watch. But also, it's, um, yeah, like you said, they don't explain too much. They kind of explain just enough to get around things, mm -hmm. which is fine. You don't, you know, you don't need to spend the whole movie explaining things. So I was fine with that. Um, it gives you just enough to kind of get the lay of the land and, and kind of understand what's going on. Um, but I, I think at the end of the day, it was just a way to have a different type of movie monster, a different type of mm -hmm. creature, I guess. Uh, but it, this one was, you know, it's, it's memorable just because it is so out there and so abstract. Um, so, you know, I, I think it stands out in our list of movies here. Mm -hmm. um, although the, the one coming up next, the blob is pretty damn strange too. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but although a little, bit, this was, a little bit better known. Might not, yeah, might not seem more, as strange to people because people know the blob, yeah, um, exactly. but this there's, one, there's just something about, right. And there's just something about a brain and a spinal cord that, yeah, 
it's so unnatural to see that uh, moving around yeah. on its own yeah. <laughs> without any skin over it. Um, it's kind of cringy and... Yeah, yeah, it's it's something. Yeah, um, it, it almost made me think of I, I don't know, Mark. Have you seen the movie Akira? Yeah, I yeah. Have. It it almost made me think of like, like like this is kind of kind of body horror, you know, kind of like early bit. body horror, but mm-hmm. it, different. Also different than your normal body horror because normal body horror the the horror involves somebody, you know, it involves an individual <laughs> and something happening to, body. to their body. Yeah. Whereas this one, I mean, I guess the. The idea of someone having their brain and spinal cord sucked out is mm-hmm. something happening to somebody, but it, we're not seeing the process. It's not something that kind of happens over time yeah. where, where there's like a slow change. It, it kind of happens mm-hmm. so quick that like the people don't even, we, we see them kind of, you know, grimace or whatever, but it, it seems like they die so fast that it's almost like they don't even know what hit them. Um, yeah. And, and the horror is the body existing, parts mm-hmm. of the body existing without a body. It, yeah which is is a pretty even now a pretty surprising take on on the body horror genre it's funny when you say the word body horror you, you can't hear that without thinking of cronenberg yeah director, cronenberg yeah, yeah david cronenberg um but you're right jeremy i mean this is so much it, while his movies deal with so many horrific images uh, nothing like this though i mean this is uh, totally in a different in its own element i would say mm-hmm. because it's like you said it doesn't actually involve a body or skin or anything like yeah. that it just involves the the inside yeah. uh which is really interesting yeah and kind of fascinating so yeah i mean i would definitely take uh if you haven't already watched this uh, definitely check it out um mm-hmm. i would say it gets a pretty big recommendation from us and i'm really glad you recommended this too jeremy um for the series because i probably i mean i may have come across it at some point but i yeah. I, I mean, I definitely. I'm, I'm glad I watched it um, when, when I did. Yeah, um, it's it's kind of one. Of, it's kind of one of those movies that kind of is known only by people who are pretty into this kind of movie. It's it's mm-hmm. not the kind of thing that you're going to come across a video essay on necessarily. There might be one out there. I can't say that confidently, yeah. but but most likely, it's not the kind of thing that's like studied all the time. You know, it's mm-hmm. not the kind of movie that really gets talked about a lot. But yeah. it, it does seem like it's kind of a weird outlier in this genre that is so famous and, and produced some movies and so much mm-hmm. kind of parody. Um, it, it does. It just it just finds this really interesting place. Um, one thing I, I would note, though, um, the, the movie that kept popping into my mind, and in, interestingly, I, I didn't even really see it the first time, but, but this time watching it again, I kept thinking about the movie Eraserhead. Which and and I feel like yeah. there's this weird pattern. I don't even want to say pattern, but just just on this podcast here, where I'm. I, <laughs> I feel like every time we do a series, I start to see where David Lynch comes from a little bit, in a weird way, because he's he's one of those kind of directors who's just a total enigma, and it almost seems like he just almost like these brains was just a weird thought experiment <laughs> that went awry, and suddenly there Very were movies much. being made. So for me yeah. personally, you know, I'm a big fan of his work. He's definitely one oh, of the people too. who. And Mark, favorites. I know you have, you know, Eraserhead posters hanging up. Oh, and yeah. you're, you're a huge <laughs> fan. So, so yeah. it is cool kind of seeing maybe where some of these cult directors that we've discussed, although we haven't done a Lynch episode specifically yet. Not but, yet. But yeah. We should, though. We should, maybe. Mm. But, but, it, but it is cool kind of seeing where some of these cult directors who make, made work mm. after these movies, maybe where they came from, you know, where, mm. where these people who were working outside of kind of mainstream Hollywood and the very conventional movie structure and, and images where mm. maybe they came from and, and where the influences were and that they weren't just, you know, kind of formed from nothing and just appeared. But, yeah. you know, these people are creative people who are watching things 
and looking at art and absorbing it in the same way any other creative person does, but the influences for them just might come from kind of more specific and surprising places than your, your yeah. average, not that I want to say any director is average, but you're more kind of standard film director. Yeah, David Lynch, especially, if you if you look at a lot of his work, there's sort of that 50s pastiche or mm-hmm. a lot of elements of his movies kind of harken back to a simpler time or back... I would say even particularly back to the 50s. The 50s, um, for sure, yeah. Yeah, he has that sort of uh, aesthetic for a lot of his films, a lot of his work, so mm-hmm. I can definitely see what you're what you're referring to with yeah. that. Particularly, sure. yeah. Particularly, yeah. there's there's one scene in Eraserhead, which is, is really famous, um, known as the lady in the radiator scene, which for mm-hmm. any of our listeners who have not seen Eraserhead, if you're a cult movie fan, I highly, highly, highly recommend mm-hmm. checking watch out it, that film. Watch it now. It's mm-hmm. kind, it kind of might be the quintessential cult film. In, in a weird way. I, I think of it as that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but there is one scene in that film where uh, this this one character who I would call a woman, but she's kind of all... I, I, you know, I'm not going to even try to explain Lynch, but, but there's yeah, one, even, one scene even in particular that uses a very similar kind of imagery um, and, and has a very... The best word I can think of is has very similar textures to this movie. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Very similar textures... Um, which which is exciting because you you really can kind of see a through line being built. Um, well, also just how how we describe those creatures the uh, the brain and spinal cord the way mm-hmm. it crawls and kind of ekes along the floor. Yeah, it, it did remind me of something out of Eraserhead, like the yeah, exactly. baby, the creature, you know, in that film. And there there are some effects in that film that are kind of they, there is some a little bit of stop motion and things like that, not too much, but just a little bit. But it's there, and, and it's yeah, it, it is there, and it's and I can totally see what you're referring yep. to and i think lynch probably was pretty impressionable at this time and yep. he was younger and mm-hmm. i'm sure watching these movies and it was probably making his his mind do all kinds of uh, crazy things like he probably came up with so many ideas at that time and or maybe if he's even not even conscious of it you know now thinking back or when he made these other films look you know looking back he probably yep. um was somehow drawing on these types of images and yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it a lot on this show. I'm sure it'll come up uh, a decent amount. But if you haven't seen Eraserhead, yeah. definitely turn the lights down. Go, you know, maybe by yourself. It's not for everyone. Yeah. But just take a look at it. I mean, if you're into these other movies, you'll you'll probably yeah. be into that Pati- one. Particularly if you're into these 1950s movies, if you haven't seen Eraserhead. Yeah. It has that kind of vibe. It, but, it has that but also vibe. also, it's, it's just its own thing. It's, you know, yeah. 70s experimental avant-garde uh craziness so um yeah it's 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 something uh it's one of my favorites so i'm sure we'll talk about it on the show at some point in in depth because yeah. other than that it's going to get brought up a lot probably but yeah. um so yeah that that that's a good comparison to make i would say mm-hmm. um but other than that i mean not too much else to say to, uh, <laughs> like we said these shorter movies sometimes there's not quite as much to to dive into but i think we you know we talked about the the main things the important things about this film and uh did you have anything else you wanted to to bring up about this one um nothing specific just you know maybe some kind of favorite moments for me yeah um and you know and and i think this is what a lot of people kind of take away from this one um is obviously the the big scene at the end when they're kind of fighting these brains and spinal yeah, cords that was phenomenal yeah it's just it's just so cool like it, it's so mm-hmm. you know and especially i think there's this thing um you know now i think more than ever as we're we're, we're getting into streaming being kind of the main way people watch their movies you know and, and Mark and I were talking in a recent episode, but as we're recording this, uh, we're kind of still in the midst of the coronavirus quarantining, so there aren't people going out to the movies right now. People are watching movies at home, 
And as that happens more and more, you know, it, it becomes this complicated thing where the way that film history is defined is in a transitional period right now because all of a sudden going from this thing where we maybe have repertory theaters playing these movies constantly, all of a sudden we're looking at an undefined period of time right now where the only way people are getting their films is from streaming services and other things on the internet and television. Um, so it, it does feel important to kind of look at these these kind of offbeat movies that maybe could slip through the cracks. Yeah. Um, maybe so look I, back a little bit, you know, to maybe errors that you wouldn't normally. Yeah, exactly. Into. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so, you know, it's just, it's just a cool experience, you know, just, just mm -hmm. watching this kind of movie that has this to, weird place. To see a scene like that, like an action yeah. scene with, with all this gore in a movie that early, uh, mm -hmm. something that I didn't expect at all. Yeah. And I, I could totally see why this movie is notorious for, you know, having yeah. <laughs> kind of being a little more out there. Um, and I thought it was great. And like I said, it, it it's it goes on for a little bit, too. It's not it's not yeah. a very quick scene like I mm -hmm. thought it would be. I thought there'd be maybe one one gunshot, one explosion of gore and that was it. But, you know, there's a, a few, a few of those and it goes on for a little bit. So it's really cool. It, you can tell the, the filmmakers were really relishing in these effects and, mm -hmm. and really kind of going full force with it. So I, I appreciated that and thought it was really cool um so yeah. yeah that scene obviously is like the standout scene there there's some other moments though I, I thought even before that the uh the image of the brains and spinal cords in the tree just kind of like mm -hmm. almost watch watching the characters through the window uh, i thought was really creepy and unsettling definitely very lynchian there <laughs> something yeah. very lynchian about that um very eerie uh so that definitely stood out that image was was when i saw that i just kind of took me back a little bit so that was really cool um and just those early scenes like we mentioned with the uh, mm -hmm. invisible creatures as well yeah. um you know the guys the one guy gets sucked out the window and things like that so there's some cool stuff going on there as well mm -hmm. so all around just really cool short movie to to check out if you have a night one of these quarantine nights or mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> even if you're not quarantined eventually good yeah good good movie to watch with the lights turned off you know, For sure. really, really just, I mean, all these movies definitely are. This and Eraserhead would actually be a good, like, th that would bill. be a tremendous a double night. bill, actually. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a great, like, I mean, make it happen. I don't know. I don't a know how we a do creepy that. night in, but a good night. Creepy in. night in, but, <laughs> but yeah, that, this is definitely one that, you know, there's some movies that are a little more campy that, that, you know, you, you can kind of, they're fun to watch with friends and this one would be fun to watch with friends, but I also feel like this one would be a great one to just kind of like yeah. let yourself just get totally lost in the weirdness of it. Mm -hmm. You know, just, just totally. That's what I did. Yeah. Let I yourself it, go. So. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Definitely check it out. Um, so as we mentioned next time, we are going to go into sort of a similar, uh, territory with uh, a, a much larger film, as you mentioned, Jeremy, this one is, is iconic. Uh, like, we started with Godzilla, which was a, definitely a hugely iconic movie in this in this genre, and we are going to end with one just as big, if not bigger, eh, maybe not bigger, just as big, mm -hmm. The Blob yeah. from 1958. So the same year as this film uh, that we just talked about, Fiend Without a Face, and the film before that, Attack of the 50-Foot Woman. So it was a busy year. Lots Very of busy. creativity, <laughs> lots of cranking out of these types of movies, and uh, there are some great ones that we're talking about. So... Really looking forward to talk about the original Blob. The Blob. The maybe. Blob. Yes. Sorry. Had to get that right. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be a great one. Uh, looking forward to that a lot. And uh, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Cult Movie Cult. And you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you have any cult films you'd like to hear us discuss on the show, or if you'd like to officially join the cult and be a guest on the show, please feel free to reach out to us at cultmoviecult at gmail.com. This has been Cult Movie Cult. And until next time, so long from the other side.